A reading from Proverbs. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. The Lord created me at the beginning of creation, the first of the Lord's acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When the Lord had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil. I was there when the Lord established the heavens and drew a circle on the face of the deep and made firm the skies above and established the fountains of the deep and assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress the Lord's command. When the foundations of the earth were marked out, then I was beside the Lord like a master worker. And I was daily the Lord's delight rejoicing before the Lord always, rejoicing in the Lord's inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Word of God, word of life. According to John, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. I still have many things to say to you, but cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, you will be guided into all truth, for the Spirit will not speak out of the Spirit's own authority, but will speak whatever the Spirit hears, and will declare to you the things that are to come. The Spirit will glorify me, taking what is mine and declaring it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that the Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good morning, church. So you can laugh by yourself. Something tickles your fancy, and you chuckle out loud in the office, having forgotten your co-workers sitting with the door open. Or 
Maybe that's just me. You can laugh by yourself, but I'd hazard a guess that laughter is better among friends, and it's at its best when there's no contrivance about it. I think that there's something beautifully vulnerable and freeing about that sort of laughter. It's never at another's expense, and it always stirs up more laughter, more joy, more delight. Confession, I snort when I laugh like that. Are there any other snorters in this room? Yes! All right. I had a friend in middle school and in high school who had the most infectious laugh. It was wild and free and would bring others along with it. Maybe you know someone like that. I hope you do. At some point, someone made herself conscious about this laugh, and she started to try to change it. Her ability to rejoice with abandon dimmed. And I can't decide if that memory makes me more sad or more angry. How dare someone convince her to hide her light under a bushel? Laughter, rejoicing, delight is of God, friends. Delight is of God. Among other things, that's what this beautiful piece of poetry from Proverbs is telling us. And that's what I want to explore together today, because I think it holds a good and wise word for us on this Holy Trinity Sunday. Our lectionary doesn't often give us the chance to have some really juicy feminine imagery for God. So here we go. Proverbs is from the portion of our scriptures that was written in Hebrew. Wisdom is a feminine noun here, and she is personified as, well, that's where I got tripped up. I was jamming along with this poetic description of how she was with God before the beginning of the earth. I was loving her version of the creation story. She talks about heights and depths and limits and how she was there. And then we get to this phrase. We get to this phrase where she calls herself a master worker, and I am tickled pink. Because here is this feminine wisdom in the Old Testament building creation alongside God and delighting, rejoicing, and I imagine laughing because creation stirs up laughter. Master worker. This phrase captured my attention. So I did a little digging into the Hebrew. My Hebrew study is rusty, sorry, professor. So that left me with questions and the need to phone a friend. By the way, questions that you don't know the answer to are good. And we're going to be preaching on Holy Trinity Sunday. They're extra good because we are celebrating our Trinitarian God, this theological concept that always leaves us scratching our heads. Questions you don't know the answer to are excellent, appropriate. But back to our text and my nerdy journey with the phrase master worker. Come along with me. The Hebrew here doesn't necessarily translate to master worker. Oh no, that word choice comes from the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures and has a sense of supporter. The Hebrew uses a word that isn't used anywhere else in scripture exactly, and not in the same way. It's derived from the same root of the word that's often translated, one who nurses, 
as in one who nurses an infant. That word is a feminine word, but here, here it's used in the masculine. Bear with me, there's more. This biblical scholar friend I had called said this, depending on how you understand this unique variant, one could interpret the Hebrew as either a nurse, but is wisdom nursing God, or does she nurse on God, or a supporter, and so a builder, or if we're in the Greek, she's a builder or a lover, or one who kisses God, or one who kisses for God. So that's clear as mud. And why does this nerdy tangent matter, Deaconess Claire? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Well, we're in the middle of Pride Month here in Lakeview, and we're celebrating Holy Trinity this week. And we just learned that this delightful piece of poetry reminds us that there was feminine energy at work with God in the creation of the world. Or perhaps... We just learned that this lady wisdom sometimes uses masculine words to describe herself. Or, we just learned that God, whose pronouns in this poem are he and him, has a daughter that he nursed. Or, we just learned that, in fact, it was lady wisdom who nursed God, but in a masculine way. The text is not clear on the direct object. Or we learn that God's lover is wisdom. Still clear as mud? Good. But perhaps a bit intriguing and challenging, and I think heartening. Because no matter the exact details of the relationship between God and wisdom, this much is crystal clear. God and wisdom together were at work in creation and delighting and rejoicing in all of the human race. And that's a big enough deal that wisdom is going to shout it wherever people are passing through, going through transitions at crossroads and gathered to hear the news of the day. Delighting and rejoicing in all of the human race. That's you, Dear ones, you are among those God and wisdom delight and rejoice in. That dear theologian, Mr. Rogers, put it this way. There's no person in the whole world like you. And I like you just the way you are. You in particular, and all the other people in their particular ways as well. Oh, sure. It's sometimes hard to imagine God delighting in all of humanity. I find it particularly hard to imagine wisdom to be the one who is rejoicing and delighting. How, how can it be wise? How can a God who is wise rejoice in something so foolish to rejoice and delight in? Because we're not always humane or lovely. We try to hide each other's lights under bushels and much worse. Besides, racism, 
homophobia, sexism, nationalism, keep on going, gun violence. And today, today we remember that it's been six years since the Pulse Massacre. What is wise about delighting in humanity? Oh God, how can wisdom rejoice in us? You haven't met Giraffe. Giraffe is my child's lovey, and every person deserves, every person deserves to be loved the way my toddler loves her giraffe. Per daycare rules, Giraffe gets a bath each weekend, and when we can finally rest him away from her, and Giraffe goes into the basement and into the laundry. When Giraffe comes back up, my child laughs and squeezes the bejesus out of him. She sort of yucks, like, yuck, yuck. I, I don't know. I can't actually mimic the laugh, um, but it's fantastic. And her delight is palpable in this laugh. I imagine that that's what wisdom's delight in you and in me and in our neighbor, especially our hard-to-love neighbor, is like. Oh, I haven't held you in my arms for all of two hours. I'm so happy you're here to laugh and to play with. Wisdom is there genuinely rejoicing in each of us and our particularities. And here's the wise part, siblings in Christ. Here's the wise part. What if each of us knew and believed and trusted that God loved us and that all of our neighbors even the hard-to-love ones were loved by God in this way so very much that it made God laugh with delight to see us, to hold us, and to squeeze us tight. I can't help but think that such a thing would change the world. And it's definitely something worth telling each and every person who passes through the crossroads, through the city gate, in the line at Starbucks, in the Zoom meeting, you are a delight. Oh, maybe that precise language would freak them out, freak you out, I don't know. But you can find a subtle and direct way of communicating this. I have faith in you. And dear ones, please don't forget that this is for you, too. And when you forget it, when you forget that God delights in you, I hope and I pray that someone or some moment helps you remember your baptism. Walk by that font over there and make the sign of the cross on your forehead. Wash your face and look in the mirror and see a beloved child of God Watch or listen or feel the rain fall that nourishes all of creation. Play in a sprinkler or the lake or a pool. Play and delight and laugh for you are a delight to God. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven.
Amen.